0: Hey, welcome back to Cannaboom. it's Tom. If you are not yet familiar with Papa and Barkley, you will be. This California-based brand is growing up fast with an expanding product line that includes high-quality THC and CBD-based balms, tinctures, and edibles. CEO Guy Rucor is our guest for this episode, and he explains how they are scaling up what's essentially been an artisanal brand without sacrificing quality along the way. Guy has a lot of knowledge and a ton of passion about the healing power of cannabis. I really enjoyed this interview, and I think he will too. If you like the podcast, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or your favorite podcast player, and please leave a review at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find the show. If you have feedback about this show or you want to suggest a guest or topic for a future episode, please drop me a line at Tom at Cannaboom, with a K, dot com. And here's my interview with Guy Rucourt. Cannabis is booming and Cannaboom is on it. Welcome to the Cannaboom podcast, where we interview experts on the changing story of humans, health and hemp. From San Diego, here's your host, Tom Stacey. Hey, it's Tom. Welcome back to the Cannaboom podcast. This week, we have Guy Rucourt, who is co-founder, president and chief product officer at Papa and Barkley. Hey, Guy, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Lots to talk about. As we record, we're wrapping up a big 420 week and I know you guys have a lot going on. You mentioned you had a new consumption lounge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're really honored to have the first consumption lounge here in the Humboldt area. One of the main reasons we were able to get our consumption lounge open early is because it's mostly outdoors. Uh, There are a few slated in the area, but uh, they're indoor. And so with COVID precautions and Prop 65 precautions, they haven't opened yet, but we were lucky to open ours on 420. It was a soft opening. Was
0: it well-received?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for us, Uh, we took over a box store, an old Kmart in Eureka. And, you know, these box stores are all over the country because of the internet. They're not as popular as they used to be. And who knows what would have happened? But with the work of the city, uh, officials just getting the zoning right, we were able to purchase this thing a few years ago, rehab it into a major manufacturing center that houses almost 100 people right now in terms of employees and will likely go north of 300 when it's fully built out. But the Sun Garden area, we could have tried to, you know, rehab that and make it, you know, clean enough to manufacture, but it makes a much more beautiful dispensary area. We also added a spa in the back where you can get uh, airport like massages, infused massages, uh, to be clear. And then the whole outdoor garden area, we converted into a restaurant with our food truck pick and leaf and an outdoor consumption lounge with what we call canna cabanas that are Uh, You can reserve, sit, they have a fire pit, you can hang out. I think it'll be a place where business gets done in the Emerald Triangle because, you know, you go out to lunch for business all the time. Here you can come out to lunch, have a great meal, but also share in your cannabis products, talk to your clients about your cannabis products and present them uh, at lunch like you would any other presentation in in a typical business sense. So yeah, we're really honored to be able to not only bring this big box store back to life but also bring uh, essentially what I think is going to be a community center. You know, that's the normalization of cannabis to us
0: yeah well that sounds fantastic and what a great time to do it on 420 and as we come out of the pandemic and boy it almost sounds like you're uh you're ready for cannabis tourism that that could become a destination for people
1: 100 and you know it's funny i i am encouraging everyone to keep it premium we do have a a new airline i forget the name but there are these hundred dollar plane flights from Burrybank on this new airline and of course there's still you know the united flights uh but you know, I don't favor opening the 101 up. There's always talk about like expanding that. I think getting uh, behind the redwood curtain is difficult, but once you're here, it's very magical. Um, yeah. But we are hoping for a lot of tourism. Uh, it as it happens, the light that our dispensary activation is on is the first light for a hundred miles on the 101 as you come north from Mendocino. Um, so it is kind of the gateway to the uh, Eureka Arcata area. Uh. Yeah. Look, and then I should also add that our partners at Social Nature have also purchased an old inn called the Scotia Inn, which was pretty historic during the Redwood Baron days, um, and is now being converted. And while I, we would never call it a but and breakfast, it is geared towards normal, normalizing cannabis. You can bring your family. You can feel comfortable, just like any other uh, rest, uh, you know, hotel. However, there will be designated areas for consuming cannabis the uh, cannabis concierge will be able to take delivery from local dispensaries of your cannabis goods. Um, Those kinds of things are definitely uh, in the works for us.
0: Well, I look forward to getting up there. I have a brother who lives in Arcata and uh, that's just a natural stop. So sure, um, you know, hit me up, come visit. So you said a couple of times, uh, normalizing cannabis. So I love that notion. How do you think we're doing on that?
1: You know, um, it's, Baby steps. I have a lot of patience. I've been in the cannabis game for over 20 years. And so I've seen legislations pop up. And what got me into the game was, you know, 215 have been voted on. And, you know, as a young person, I was like, oh, well, if people voted, then the legislators have to act. Well, obviously they don't have to act. <laughs> they can do that in their own due time. Uh, so, you know, it's baby steps. I, I do have a little bit of patience, but it is happening. Um, I do think that, you know. Three, four years ago, as we were emerging and more states were legalizing, allowing uh, national CBD products to be unregulated, allowed more misinformation to happen. So you have people still demonizing cannabinoids, saying things like THC-free. You have an uptick of CBD isolate, which doesn't necessarily come from the right varietals. It comes from the fiber varietals, which we should also be pushing to offset other issues that we have. Uh, in the nation. I'm a big Jack Herrera fan. I want to continue his work of food, clothing, and medicine. And that clothing and shelter part, that food part, we need more hemp products, more hemp manufacturing, more closed loop, you know, textile production, more hemp oil versus corn ethanol. Those kinds of things are real for the nation, in addition to the medicine that, you know, cannabis provides. And so, You know, I think that we could have done a little bit better by regulating, you know, CBD, just like we regulate uh, all the other cannabinoids, similar to what they do in Canada, and stop the misinformation. And now, three years later, we're still undoing more misinformation due to this artificial separation of, quote, hemp CBD versus cannabis CBD, or, you know, I dare say marijuana-based CBD.
0: Right. I mean, there's still so much education to be done and talked about that a lot on this show. The 100 years of prohibition where there was intentional misinformation and now the pendulum has swung. And as you noted, there's there's a lot of misinformation around around hemp and cannabis and people not being scrupulous about the claims that they make and all that. Hats off to you guys for taking a leadership position in that. And, you know, I followed your brand for years. I gave some of the tincture to my dad who had prostate cancer. It can be excruciating. He never complained about the pain. He did pretty well with it. Want to thank you for that. At that time, I think you guys just had tinctures, and now you've expanded the brand quite a bit.
1: Yeah, you know, so it's funny. We have, you know, it takes money to make money. So we've raised money, and I, I love our initial friends and family round. They all jumped on board in twenty uh, early 2016. Uh, before even Proposition 64 was on the ballot. So they knew, and, and we were committed to the wellness factor of the plant. I think as things have started to professionalize, people want to pigeonhole us. They want to make us like alcohol, make us like this, but cannabis is going to be something different. And what I've come to realize is all cannabis is wellness. And when we talk to these high-end strategy companies, they're like, well, you know, you're in this category and your topicals. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm in cannabis. That's the category. And I'm going to provide different modalities or ways of titrating, ways of accessing the plant. That's probably the better way. Early on, I, wasn't, I didn't jump on the need state game, but now I realize that for the layman and consumers, they want, especially with COVID, unaided packaging. They want to see what it's going to do right on the package. We need to be a little bit better at communicating right on pack or in a small blurb what these products do. We as a company relied on the bud tenders a lot to communicate that message. And of course, during COVID, we were like, oh, wait. So we are leaning a little bit more into need state. And our sleep suite that we're launching in the next few months is an example of that. It's a sleep suite of products from Pop and Barkley, but it's a gummy. It's a chocolate, it's a tincture, it's a capsule. So it's these different modalities for you to access what you need. So I'd like to encourage people to stop thinking of cannabis. First of all, let's just dispel the the term recreation altogether, right? Because again, it's forcing this separation of like, oh, well, CBD and this other stuff is wellness or medicinal, and then everything else is recreation. That's not true. I really believe all cannabis is at the end of the day wellness because unlike alcohol, we're not gonna get blackout drunk. We're taking this thing to take the edge off, at the very least, if not cure fundamental issues.
0: That's a, gr- a very interesting distinction. I mean, I've heard you know Tommy Chong say all cannabis is medicinal, but medicinal when you talk about need state, that's a human constant. We all need things, right? So that's a good positioning, I think. And wellness, I totally agree. That's what people are interested in.
1: Yeah, for us, you know, we are. So we pain management was our. Our, our initial bailiwick right our relief bomb that or the origin story with adam helping his dad get out of hospice the it creates small miracles for people we at pop and barkley like to say we own the first canvas conversation because no matter how ardent uh, a, a denier you are of cannabis when we put the bomb on you it's non-top it's non-top non-intoxicating it works all of a sudden your joints feel better and now you're thinking okay well let me try a tincture and you know especially in the desert with the older folks they call it the pop and barkley funnel where they start with the bomb then they do the CBD tincture before you know it they're taking CBD caps regularly then they're taking a one to three tincture and starting to leave their other pain management meds behind and now they have a great. Clean, tox free life with zero side effects typically associated with some of their medicines. This year, we decided to go specifically after sleep. Another big indication that a lot of folks have issues with good sleep is a cornerstone of health. You know, we introduced the CBN uh, cannabinoid. So we have combinations of THC, CBD, and CBN that work in concert to help you go to sleep and, most importantly, stay asleep. And next year, I think we'll be starting to attack the anxiety, although we'll probably call it calm and chill, but anxiety is a real thing. And this year specifically, we know people use our products for that. Uh, You know, our ratioed products are already being used for sleep, already being used for pain management, already being used for anxiety. But now we want to rebrand them and call them, uh, you know, specifically need states so that users just can like pick it up on the website, pick it up at curbside delivery uh, without having to necessarily necessarily engage with the bud tender.
0: Well, and having spent some time in marketing, I, you know, I look at it like a funnel and a lot of times people at the top of the funnel, you'd need to communicate with them about what the benefits are. And again, we're not that far out of prohibition where a lot of people think cannabis is for stoners who sit on the couch. It's going to wreck your motivation. It's a gateway to other things that aren't good. Your story is polar opposite. It's the key to wellness. It's clean out your medicine cabinet. You can have wellness with this plant.
1: No, it's so true. Um... You know, again, you know, you asked me earlier, it's like, are there any topics I I wouldn't cover? Transparency is the key. Honesty is the key. Okay. There are forces at work that have a vested capitalist interest to keep information a certain way. Alcohol is the gateway drug. I mean, I'm sorry. It's like, I'm not a prohibitionist. I would never suggest that we prohibit alcohol, but I just want to be fair and honest. I've always said cannabis should be taxed and regulated like alcohol. It's, 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 It's interesting to me that handles of vodka are not childproof. But yet the smallest cannabis products are childproof. I think they should be both childproof for the record. I think that alcohol should be as regulated as we are, not only for testing in terms of residual solvents, pesticides, but also the dispensing, because unlike cannabis, your life can be ruined by alcohol. There is mar- there is demonstra- demonstrable evidence of that. More importantly, when it comes to this notion of wellness, it is. We all have stressful days. Our world is getting tighter, harder, more competitive, more stressful, more anxiety ridden. Most of us do need to come home and usually reach for something, whether it's food, whether it's alcohol, whether it's cannabis, to breathe out some of that stress. Well, of those three things, even including food, I think that uh, cannabis is probably the best suited right? You're not going to put on extra weight, which is going to affect your health. You're still going to be able to get up in the morning without a hangover and be able to be productive and earn for your family. Um, So just being honest and clear about what's what is what's needed. Yes, we've had a hundred years of bad information and misprogramming, and we need to leave that behind. I call it cannabis shame and words are powerful. Whenever I hear anybody, even remotely trying to put cannabis in a bucket or push it over here to say, this is not wellness or this is something stonery or recreational, I have to clap back at that because we need to dispel that information bar none, right? Because we live in a society where we over-medicate people with things like Xanax, Valium, opiates. And it's not that I'm against those things. I'm just saying, let's be honest and clear about what's really hurting our nation and our kids because it's not cannabis.
0: Well, and it's refreshing to see that in your messaging too. I remember looking at your site a few weeks ago and one of the headlines was, Better days are here, laugh harder, feel better, enjoy more you don't see a lot of companies being that bold, but that's a great statement
1: yeah and, and I think it's a truthful one too again, I have no problem with the celebratory drink, right, but cannabis can be the same thing. you laugh more, feel better. you know the fact is CBD is an amazing compound we know it wants to have a little bit of THC to help grease the lock. But when you start taking this as a regular everyday vitamin and start lowering systemic inflammation throughout your body, you literally feel better. 20-somethings may not be able to access it, but you breach 35, you start taking CBD, you notice a marked difference in how your body works, and every decade further, we should be using it more. I have this hypothesis that before the, uh, you know, late 1800s, we actually had much more cannabis in our diet, simply because as a weed, it was mixed into foodstuffs, it was available, it was clearly used as medicines and whatnot. And I think we were getting a lot more cannabinoids in our system on a regular basis. What that means to the ECS and the health of, you know, prior generations, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not a medical doctor, but I do think there's something there.
0: Yeah, I've definitely talked about this with some doctors about the idea that this is a supplement, almost like a daily vitamin, just to improve the tone of your endocannabinoid system, gets you firing in all cylinders. Yep, yep. You mentioned your products are solventless. Can you explain why that's important?
1: Yeah, so this is a really, really good one. Solventless just means we don't use any solvents. Moreover, in Pop and Barkley, not only do we not use any solvents to process our cannabis, we don't use any solvents or any chemicals in any of our products and one thing i always like to say to folks is things that are made in california cannabis uh, compliance system are the best things you can put on or in your body bar none MRSA testing requires that all our excipients our lavenders our peppermint oils anything that we mix with our cannabis also gets tested like that final form and it's way above generally regarded as safe that being said solventless is a term in cannabis means you did not extract the cannabis using any chemicals so the reason why we like that is it, it, we want to set the levels, right? I don't have a problem with refined cannabis like these distillate products or even light hydrocarbon or CO2 products, but they are not as quality. On the wine side, for instance, you know that if you take a bunch of grapes and you process them and you make box wine, that that's different than a thousand dollar bottle of wine. You know that cold press olive oil is going to be, uh, you know, much more expensive than light hydrocarbon extracted olive oil in our industry it's important that we start to set those levels and get that education out otherwise folks will just race to the bottom which is what we definitely see on the national cbd a race to the bottom where everything is just isolate it's all about margin and they've stepped away from plant-based medicine when you talk about solventless you have to be plant-based medicine because you will not be refining the, the plant using any chemicals so it's going to be as close to a whole plant thing as possible so we use several uh extraction methods and i'll explain them briefly uh because they're that simple the first is what we call lipid infusion a lipid is a fat mct oil coconut oil um you know hemp seed oil saff oil whatever oil grapeseed oil you want right you just take the flowers you soak them in that oil we have a proprietary heat and pressure system because we're not only just trying to get the cannabinoids and the terpenes which naturally melt into the oil but we're also trying to get some of that green uh chlorophyll and plant fats and phytonutrients because we believe for our tinctures and our topicals they make the difference and the green color of our tinctures and our topicals are just that they are chlorophyll and if you were to leave them in the sun they would turn they would they would they're still alive right they would turn blonde they would uh, go away So that's one version. The other version is we simply, the most ancient version of getting cannabis extracts, we dry sieve or keef where we chill the flowers and then we shake them. And then these great little crystals come off. For those who don't know, the medicine only exists in the trichome head. And the trichome head is a little gland that the um, plant secretes to protect its leaves, which protect its seeds. So the plant is trying to protect itself but luckily, nature put in that protective mechanism these awesome little trichome glands that contain our cannabinoids and our uh, our terpene. So, in the keef, you have these crystals. You can use it just like that. You can also press it between two plates in a silk sock and get what we call as rosin, which is just the oil holding back any trichome heads and skins and stalks and whatnot. And then, so now we have the rosin, we have the keef, and we have the uh, we have the um, the lipid infusion and those are the things that power all our all our products um as a high-end like halo product we have a sub-brand called papa select which two years running is not one just first but second and third in a in a hash competition here in california known as the emerald cup it's a blind competition so winning two years in a row sweeping the category definitely says i think that we know how to do it but with that product we wash it in ice water those fruits, those little trichome glands break off and we grab them in, in what they call bubble bags, these little silk bags. And that process, is, that product is used as a concentrate uh, for uh, aromatherapy or light vapor, light, low temperature vaporization. So it's a little bit about our process, but it's all clean. It's all solventless. The only thing that touches your plant is pressure. The only thing that touches your product is water or a little bit of pressure. Um, and yeah. so we feel really proud about that because we think that, While all the noise that's going on about making different products and, you know, Delta aid and all these, you know, isomers and isolated products, what got us here is things that was grown in the garage and things that were made in grandma's kitchen, simple formulations that work, that people risk jail for. I want to make sure we understand that, that we codify that, and that we put that on the top shelf where it belongs, because it's a lot harder to do these artisanal processes than it is to put it in a big waters machine, get an isolate and just introduce that as a you know single source ingredient.
0: Right, some of the things you're describing are fairly labor intensive. As you mentioned, it's, there's sort of a halo around that. Are you able to scale to the degree that you want or are these more kind of a boutique level brand products?
1: Well, yeah, so that's a great question. And yeah, we are going to get to be able to scale how we want. Do we have to do it ourselves? One hundred percent. You know, shout out to Pure Pressure in Denver. There are some companies that are, you know, helping us scale solventless. It's going to be a little bit more hands-on. The extraction rates will never be that of light hydrocarbon or cryoethanol, but they don't need to be right. I mean, we often process our product and then resell it. If there's any cannabinoids left, like we're not about waste, no cannabinoid is left behind. If we can't process it solventlessly, that material can still be sold to a provider to extract what other cannabinoids are in there. Right. So, uh, Yeah, we're scaling it. It is a little bit more difficult. I'm proud to say that with the lipid infusion, while other companies have started to make things that they want to sell us, we started designing what we call the mega infuser. It's like a little inside joke, but essentially it's a big pressure vessel. You know, I think it's about 50 gallons um, and you put your canvas material, your whatever oil of your choice in there, you cap it and it has this great algorithm and boom, you get this very concentrated uh, lipid infusion. Uh, so we are scaling it, you know, and we're, but we are building and creating devices ourselves to scale solventless.
0: You know, I did an interview a few weeks ago with a guy who was doing like biosynthetic cannabinoids. Would you guys ever look at that stuff?
1: Um, well, you said an interesting word there, synthetic. So it's a red flag for me. I can tell you even Delta-8 as an isomer is something we won't be able to access because we're just not going to go, you know, the, the, the refining processes uh, needed to make certain products are just not really you know that i don't think they're in the cards for us some you know and again it's not that i'm against that that's for other people but we are trying to keep it simple for instance on the select side we're doing some gummies coming out um and i want to do a strain specific gummy to me that doesn't mean just putting it on the pack or sourcing single source so it looks like that in metric to me it means you can taste it and so in a few months you know when you go to the store and you get our gargoyle melon berry or garlic juice select gummies they will taste just like the flour that's next to them and more importantly just like the concentrate that's next to them right because if you're really doing it right you should be developing processes that keep the entire plant's terpene profile and cannabinoid profile as nature intended right to you i, I really think that for us it's about this kind of farm to table and we're going to be introducing formulated at the farm as a concept so our ratioed products we're already working with farmers to just grow the ratio, grow it like that, right? We want to get into, let's say, like THCV. Well, we're going to find a THCV dominant strain and grow it, and that's where we'll extract it. Could we do that in the lab? Sure, but that's not how, that. There's a new way of creating medicine, and I think it starts at the farm.
0: You know, there's a lot of innovation in this space, and I'm I hear you saying you're going to be innovative, but within your own standards, which are going to be more about the natural plant.
1: Yes, correct. Correct. That, that, that is exactly it. It's like, this is plant-based medicine. What got us here is, you know, plants, like literally unrefined plants. As a, When I was younger, I do have a business in Colorado that is a light hydrocarbon business, right? So it's not that, and you can find, you know, if you dig deep and find me justifying uh, the use of solvents and the ability for a scientist to extract those solvents and still give you a clean product. So I want to be clear that other processes are still coming to you clear. Like, you know, whether you use light hydrocarbon or ethanol or CO2, you still have to test for residual solvents, and it has to be way above what is generally regarded as safe. So I don't have a problem with those things. I just think that there is a, a cleaner way to do it.
0: Well, and the plant itself is so versatile. I mean, what we've been talking about, tinctures, gummies, balms, all the things you can do with the plant and all the different cannabinoids, there's no shortage of innovation you could do in a natural way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and even the water solubility, we will be getting into the beverage game. One thing I like about one thing we're starting to do as an organization is think about our carbon footprint for the consumer. Meaning I want you to buy my products and realize that I picked the best, most recyclable vessel. I took the time to think about the product from a sustainability perspective. So am I really ready to start bottling water? with a little bit of cannabis and trucking it all over? Probably not. We will likely do a drink powder. And more likely the first product that's gonna come out are just infused sugar packets, right? So here's a five gram sugar packet and with five milligrams of THC. If you take one sugar in your coffee, you're fine. You can add regular sugar. You can put it in your tea. You can put it in your Kool-Aid. It's a great way to infuse. It's all natural. It's totally water soluble, totally consistent. Um, But I'm not trucking a bunch of water around because we know that the beverage industry is, you know, really puts a, a toll on the roads moving liquid around.
0: You're wearing various hats there. You're the president and the co-founder and chief product officer. Do you have a favorite part of the job? Because boy, we're, we're touching on product development, on marketing, on many aspects. Is there a part of it that you love more yeah, than any I mean, other part? I think this
1: is it right here. Part of my role as president is being, you know, the company's ambassador. Um, and you know, I've always been an advocate. I started working with Montel Williams, you know, 20 years ago when he first came out with his MS. Uh, and so advocacy is big. When I started my company in Denver, I realized that that my heart was green. My problem with my partners there was that they were not into the advocacy portion and it is needed. When we raise money here at Pop and Barkley, our first investors, one of the things we said when we were pitching was we're not only building our business, but we're building the shelf that our products are going to be on. And so for me right now, the favorite part of the job is out here spreading the news, spreading the joy that is uh, adult use, if you will, you know, spreading the message of food, clothing, and shelter, you know, I mean, yeah, food, I'm sorry, I always put clothing and shelter, clothing and shelter should go together. So food, shelter, medicine, or food, clothing, medicine, the way way you want to see it. So I think that for me, talking about how hemp can offset cotton production, how hemp seed oil can offset corn ethanol and uh, how much better it is per acre, how hemp is a great remediator that can still provide fiber and oil for those industrial things. So as we start to wean ourselves off of petroleum, I think we should also be weaning ourselves off of corn ethanol because it does nothing for the land. And per acre, we'd be better off growing hemp seed. And then, of course, on the medicinal side, before we give vets toxic drugs, I'm a vet myself, before we give, you know, uh, PTSD vets drugs that have the pain of suicide as a side effect, maybe we should start with cannabis. You know, anybody that's going through uh, chemo or is in some oncology treatment right now should be on a cannabis tincture. One, if anything, just to tamp down the nausea. As you know, pain management is two forks, the mental component and the physical component. Cannabis hits both. So why give somebody a Xanax and an opiate when you could start them with cannabis? It's true that cannabis sometimes maybe uh, can't deal, like when you're in shock, or if the pain is too acute. So when you just got into the accident, you might need these opiates. I'm not saying that we need to dispel some of these great pharma things that have been developed over the years. I think we just need to be honest and transparent and realize those are at the beginning, but they, you know, they're not permanent. People should not be re-upping on their opiate dose once they've left the hospital. They probably should get a cannabis prescription to manage their pain, because that'll let them continue to go to the bathroom, continue to eat good food, And more importantly, maybe get good rest at night so you can get up stronger the next day. But yet we're not even having that conversation as a nation. So this is my favorite part of the job, spreading just simple
0: truth. Well, you've definitely got the breadth and depth of knowledge around this that, boy, some of the the Johnny-come-latelys don't. I mean, there are people jumping on this bandwagon, but but you've been here. Can you give us a little backstory? You mentioned Montel Williams. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I'm originally from New York City. Uh, I left New York and I joined the military. I joined the United States Navy years and years ago when we were in the Cold War. Uh, And I actually came to California for boot camp. But then during, uh, uh, you know, I got this scholarship, I got ROTC, I went to school in Rochester, New York, and the Cold War ended. And at the time, you know, they were downsizing the military. So I did not, uh, I did not continue my scholarship. I figured out other ways to pay for school, student loans and stuff, you know, that you learn. So if any young people are listening to this, I encourage you just get into school and then figure out how to pay for it. Do not be daunted. Because if I had been daunted, I would not have gone or continued. So I I switched from physics uh, to uh, filmmaking in school. And then so I find myself in New York in the early 90s doing low budget feature production, which is taking off at the time and film is giving way to video and whatnot. And I get called for this movie and it's Montel Williams. And I didn't know that much about him, but turns out Montel was also in the military. He was also on submarines, which I had done a small, a small stint on. So we bonded pretty quickly um, on that movie is when he came out with his MS. And so, of course, you know, I was using cannabis has always been in my life. I've never used, you know, never been hospitalized of just, I believe the cannabis has kept me healthy, knock on wood. So I start sharing cannabis with Montel he ends up, you know, it works for his MS. We end up doing a deep dive and start doing a lot of advocacy. And I work with Montel basically doing advocacy, going around uh for another decade. In that time, I see a lot. I'm exposed to a lot. You know, people, one thing you know about a celebrity is they're probably not a cop, I guess, is why people would open, open their doors to Montel. He's also very personable. So I got to see a lot of behind the scenes so that by like, you know, early 2000, I started a small cultivation. Um, I had another partner who happened to have Crohn's disease, very smart gentleman that went to Harvard, but could not continue in the workforce because, you know, he had a debilitating disease that, you know, he just couldn't work a nine to five. It's like, you could be productive, but it had to be on his terms. So he was able to commune with the plants and work with them. Of course, it also worked for his, uh, his Crohn's disease as cannabis seems to work very well with autoimmune diseases. And so that's very exciting uh, for the, for the future. So I start cultivating. And as they say, two lights become four lights, become eight lights. And at the time, you know, it's so funny. We saw some of the nefarious things that are coming home to roost. Back then I was working for Paramount. I had moved out to California with Montel's help and got a job at the lot and worked for Paramount and Viacom was doing this thing called vertical integration. And from a business sense, it seemed to make all sense But we should have kind of known right there that we don't want all our media laddering up to one or two sources, because that's when you get polarized misinformation. And I think we're paying for that as a nation now. But I kind of felt it. It was icky. And all of a sudden, my ladies are doing great. We were also doing those no-doc loans back then. So all I had to do was show a pay stub, and somebody would give me a loan, and I could rent a house. And needless to say, I didn't intend to be an outlaw, but my belief after advocacy, after seeing people so helped, you know, going with Montel, we got to see like, whether it was epilepsy patients, MS patients, Crohn's patients, cancer patients, really getting the benefit and never mind vets. I mean, again, yeah, it's like, it was so obvious to me that this was the right thing to do, that there was no way that I could step back from it. And so, yeah, for a little bit, I became an outlaw and definitely was growing cannabis and, you know, supporting collectives in the Los Angeles area. Um, and around, I think tw- two, you know, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, uh, I saw my first electronic cigarette. And of course, I think like everybody else, the first thing I thought was like, oh, how do you put cannabis in there? And I figured that out, um, help of some partners, and you know, started coming up with these early e cig formulations. You know, sharing those with folks, with Montel and stuff. And sure enough, the phone started to ring, and people are like, how do we monetize this? And I was like, well, there's nothing happening in California you know, uh, Proposition 19, had just failed. And they're like, what do you know about Colorado? I was like, not too much. But sure enough, by 2011, 2012, we had uh, taken over a distressed asset, which I would not do now, knowing what I know. Uh, I I kind of regret that. But a woman uh, had an operation called Twirling Hippie, which could not make the jump to compliance with all the payments and stuff like that. So we were able to get her grandfathered location for not a lot of money, but I took that location and converted into one of the first light hydrocarbon labs in the city of Denver and started making vape pens. And back then it was just myself uh, with our company Neos and OPEN really making vape pens, right? Uh, and OPEN, of course, coming, you know, with Organa brands and their great marketing. Even though I felt like I had a better product, they had a better book cover. So I started the learning of the business sides and you know, coming from the digital market, we didn't brand at all on purpose. And now it's all about branding. It's all about that book cover. And so, yeah. And then finally, you know, I met Adam, uh, through friend here, which is maybe a story for another day. And, uh, and, um, yeah, you know, I got, you know, one thing I saw in Adam and our original investors that I was looking for was this green heart, this, this, this need to elevate cannabis, to normalize cannabis, you know, to let go of cannabis shame, to advocate for it above and beyond just our business. Right. Um, and so one of the values that we also put forth early on was quality over margin. You know, that makes investors tremble a little bit, but I do think it's the way of the future, I think, especially with this millennial generation. They are looking under the hood of companies. You know, I, you know, shout out to Ben and Jerry's. It's like companies, if corporations are going to be people, then we need to look at them as people and hold them accountable for what they say and sometimes what they don't say.
0: Well said. You're you're an OG. You went from the military to the movies and into the business, so um, that's a good summary. <laughs> um, I want to talk, too, about the, the social justice piece of this. I mean, we are evolving as a nation, obviously. We all know cannabis has been used as—it's never killed anybody except in, in drug raids, and it's been used as a way to— incarcerate people, ruin their lives it's a further a uh, racist narrative. Where do you see us on that spectrum? Are we making the progress we need to make?
1: Yeah. You know, unfortunately we are not making progress. And so, you know, I told you I grew up in New York city. I grew up in Manhattan, a lot on the Lower East side. I'm really honored to have grown up punk rock and in that whole movement and songs of my youth are still so relevant today. And that, that, that's what makes me sad. Like, I, I grew up when we put this stuff on the table, Reagan youth put this on the table. We, these problems have been here too long. And I am ashamed that for a part of my adult life, I just kind of closed my eyes to it. And just was like, even through the George Bush years, I was just like, we are getting better. I just had to believe that we are getting better but in the last 4 years seeing the rise of fascism not only here in our country but around the world something is wrong and and i and 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 it bothers me and i do think that cannabis is the answer by the way and maybe that's another a story for another time but i don't believe we're making progress and while i really appreciate the verdict that is just the tip of the iceberg okay it, it, we have the system unfortunately to quote Trevor Noah the system is working as intended it was designed it is designed to keep people poor people in check not just people of color but poor people as it turns out our immigrants our minorities tend to be poor women getting you know 80 cents on the dollar and in some cases not even really being allowed access to work parents and 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 guardians thinking about women's education not being as much as their sons like we have these broken things in our system that create these marginalized communities that the police are enforcing to keep where they are They are supposed to keep poor and marginalized communities in their place, and unfortunately, I think it's working. And I think the war on drugs was another way to separate that. If you have enough money to make bail, enough money to get a lawyer, you walk. If you don't, you go to jail, or at the very least, we can deny you federal funding. I find myself so blessed. I, in college, like everybody else, I was out, you know, especially right out of the service. I knew some people that were growing. I had seen cannabis. And yeah, I remember one time getting pulled over. I had cannabis in my pocket. If that gentleman had pulled me out of the car and found it, even if he had done the right thing and just given me the citation, that would have dropped my Pell Grant, my student loans, and I would have been out of school the next day, right? That's what's happening, keeping people in their place. So, Yeah, I, you know, I won't use any words like, you know, any triggering words, but we do need to address our system of policing because it is not broken. It's working as intended. So maybe we need to fix it with a different intention. Um, And yeah, and sadly, to answer the question directly, no, we have not made any progress in my short 50 years here. I'm saddened by the just absolute lack of progress, because when I was young, it was a big deal then. And it feels like for my, I have a 24 year old and a 12 year old, it's still a big deal for them. So yeah, we need to get to the business of making change.
0: Do you see any optimism in You know, state by state, the legalization wave just continues to grow, and there is more pressure at the federal level. You know, once those laws are changed, then the police have a different imperative. If they get a whiff of cannabis or they say they get a whiff of cannabis, they don't have the license to knock the door down and and pull you out of the car. Do you see any cause for optimism on that front?
1: Well, 100%. You know, just normalizing cannabis and at least stopping people like, you know, I think about New York City decriminalizing with their stop and frisk. Every single kid who got stopped and frisk and got had a little bit of cannabis again, their lives were stopped right there because that's on their record and that prevents future opportunities. So we need all that to be expunged and cleaned up as well. But I'll share a quick story for your listeners. Shout out to CHP because maybe there's some education happening. This was a few years ago. Totally my fault. I was going to pick up lunch for the folks. Uh, This is when we still were based in in Los Angeles. I get on the two freeway. I'm being a little obnoxious. Even though I'm getting off the next ramp, I just gun it. I get on the ramp hot, I stay hot, and sure enough, lights are behind me. He pulls me over, I reek of canvas. He knocks on the rear window, Uh, passenger side, rear window. And I look at him and I lower it. He's like front window. So I look at my windshield and I'm like, what? He's like front window. And I'm like, oh, I guess he means passenger front window. So I lower it. He comes in and he's visibly upset and agitated that I've been speeding. I totally know I've done something wrong. But the first thing he says is he's like, I'm going to ask you one time. I know you probably work at some dispensary or something. When was the last time you smoked? I was like, sir, we're not allowed to consume at work. I'm just going to get lunch. I totally uh, apologize. I was looking at that Motorcycle. He's like, I was chasing that bike and then I saw you and I visibly upset. I give him my paperwork. Normally, especially for me as a person of color, they always run it. He looks at it. He looks at the traffic. He puts it down. He's like, you know better. You better slow down. I was like, thanks. And just walks away. I can tell you that a year before that, just a smell of cannabis would have taken six police cars and me being face down an entire search of my car. The fact that he had the wherewithal to think that I might actually work in cannabis, that how could somebody's car reek so bad if they weren't in an environment working, um, was, 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 was telling. So, you know, kudos to the CHP. I don't always have a lot of uh, positive things to say about police officers, but I do see it changing. It's things like that that are changing and having... Witnessed it and experienced it myself. Yeah, we're making some changes there, and that will be a positive thing. That kids and adults and other and people are not being pulled out of their car because of some cannabis smell.
0: Yeah, we're in California with Colorado kind of leading the way on some of these things. Back to business. You guys are national with your CBD products in California only with the THC.
1: Yeah. So uh, one thing I'd like to note is our CBD products on the national side are tested. In the California MRSA system, it's very important to us that it's the same product. Our most popular product in California and the national side are the same product. Our 30 to 1 tincture and our CBD tincture on the national side, they both have that trace amount of THC. They all come from the revital. Luckily for us, while, Cal- uh, while California was a little bit late with their hemp bill, and that's starting to work its way out, Oregon, Colorado, and Vermont specifically um, had tons of great real flowers yes the feds want to call it hemp because it has less than point three percent thc but these are smokable awesome cannabis uh, cbd rich flowers and we use them in the same lipid infusion process same keyfing process so all our national products mirror our california products with the exception that they just happen to be cbd rich and have that uh less than point three percent threshold that the feds require for quote unquote hemp based products
0: that's important Do you see yourself, as Prohibition lifts in some other states, do you see the THC side of your business expanding beyond California?
1: Well, 100%. And the only reason why we haven't done it yet is, I'll say very candidly, these MSOs out here need to get back in the right game of wellness. There's a lot of big moneyed companies that call themselves multi-state operators. And you'll look that a lot of these multi-state operators don't operate in California because in California, we have cultural heart and cannabis legacy and will not tolerate The whitewashing of cannabis but what i see happening in florida what i see happening in illinois what i see happening in oklahoma and definitely let's go back to florida like there's one company there we don't need to mention names that have boxed people out own some 65 percent, and are not even really putting out great products right that doesn't seem like capitalism to me so it's like which is it florida so yeah we will be national for sure we're doing it the right way Um, And so, yeah, we have not found that right MSO or multi-state operator or, you know, the right licensing agreements. We wanted to make sure that the brand and the brand's integrity and identity were solid. And while I want to provide safe access, because that's always been the mission to as many people as possible, right now we're doing it just with these CBD-rich products. Eventually, I do hope that we can provide our full suite to everybody, not only in the nation, but the world. And arguably, if it was up to me with the appellation and everything all our goods would be produced here in humboldt or maybe the emerald triangle right here in the pacific northwest for the entire nation and of course eventually the entire world that's our future plan you know we have the buildings we're building the crew and so one day i know it won't take it'll take a while i mean i'm a good student of alcohol prohibition it's like even if the feds do legalize it won't be like interstate commerce happens overnight you know all those things will be individual as the states work out their deals but i do hope that let's say in 10 years that we're making all our products here in Humboldt and they're being trucked through the nation, you know, with the same quality. And then of course being exported to the world so that everybody can partake in these great products.
0: That's a big vision. And as you said earlier, baby steps, so one <laughs> step at a time. <laughs> yeah. Guy, what is your favorite cannabis product?
1: Um, that's a great question. Um, I would think, so, okay. My, my favorite cannabis product is my CBD capsules. Cause if I had to give everything up, I would want to keep taking those because they definitely, uh, you know, they keep me right. You know, I'm, like I said, I'm almost 50. I'll be 50 in November. So CBD things. Now, in terms of like products that I like, you know, we recently released a Canagar with, in collaboration with El Blunto. So our Papa Select infused Canagars, that's luxury. Like pre-rolls, you know, are not, you know, they're convenient, but they're not, it's like cigarettes. You know, there's not magazines about cigarettes, but Canagars, yeah, there are levels to it. You know, shout out to OR Canagar in Oregon that does the rose petals, Wolf Mountain Organics here in Humboldt, and of course, El Blunto and Albert Ironstone. Those guys are doing great, smooth, clearly whole flower. At El Blunto, they use a coarse grind. So you can look at the tip of the Canagar and it's buds. It's not, tr- it's definitely not trim because they're not. it's not ground. It's clearly coarse ground uh, flowers, right? So that's awesome. And then uh, on the service side, I You know, cannabis-infused massages are next level, right? While not psychoactive, there is a a warm feeling. I like to describe it as like when you come out of the shower and you get a towel right out of that dryer, that feeling of a warm hug. When you get a cannabis-infused massage, a THC-infused massage specifically, it is next level. Uh, and so I, I really appreciate that service now that is becoming available at our spa. And then, of course, you know, we have a lot of providers here in Humboldt that you can bring your THC balm to our massage oil and they'll, and they'll use that. Um, and then lastly, I would say from a service perspective, a secondary service perspective, like alcohol, you can make a drink at home when you go to a bar and a bud tender makes it for you. It seems a little bit more special. I love having joints or can of rolled for me, right? So definitely at our dispensary, there will be uh, this notion that you can buy flowers and have somebody roll it for you before you consume. And then I also like being served dabs while You know, my puffco is pretty easy to use. I do like when a traditional rig is is created. The temperature is perfect. You know, the the hash is pressed into a nice flag and presented to me just to inhale or breathe in that aromatherapy. Uh, I do. Those are all these new services that that I'm getting into. So. I I wish it could just be one, but I mean, if it is going to be one, like if everything was taken away, I would be like, please leave me my CBD caps.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That all sounds next level. I mean, I I can't wait to get a THC massage. Wow. Is is there anything we haven't covered that
1: we should? So we talked a little bit about strain specificity and tasting the strain. And so we have some select gummies out. We have our sleep suite coming out, you know, uh, uh, you know, those are the things that I should be plugging. We all, you know, one thing that I, I would mention is we also have these high potency capsules coming in. When we talk about the disconnect between, you know, what's happening in Wall Street, and what's happening in the what happens in the real world, a lot of folks were like, "Oh, well, these high potency THC caps are for recreational use and or, or or hinting at some sort of abuse." And it's very hard for the uninitiated to get out of their head that cannabis is not about abuse. It is very hard to abuse, abuse, or become a cannabis addict. That ultimate notion of a stoner that's couch locked there, that is an extreme case that is not really true. It's a meme that was foisted on us, right? And so high THC caps, what we've realized is those are for patients. I can tell you people like Montel that have active MS or my partner who had Crohn's, they need hundreds of milligrams regularly during the day. That's how they keep themselves off of a uh, these analgesics, right? I have a friend uh, in my gym and back in LA, horse trainer, you know, older woman, trains horses, trains young people on horses, told me she was eating eight Advil a day. I got her on the one to three tincture, no more Advil. If she, yeah, sure. If she takes a little bit too much, maybe she's on that euphoria side. I can't even call it high because that's not the case. I should also note for folks who don't know, cannabis, like all other analgesics, will go to the ailment, before it does anything, right? So similar. if you are prescribed an opiate, it works to manage your pain. And of course, if you take too many, you are high. All drugs can do that. This becomes about dosing. Proper dosing of cannabis is an, can lead to an effective pain management that doesn't damage your liver, that promotes eating, right? Promotes great bodily functions, promotes sleep. So these high-potency caps are not for recreational use. They are because... Folks who actually have an ailment really need this level of cannabinoid to manage their pain. Right. For some, there is a fear of, oh, I don't want to get high. Sure, sure. And look, that, that and, and I think that that's a, a legitimate fear. I think the THC sensitivity in terms of that paranoia and weirdness is also real. But like everything, it's all about starting slow understanding and listening to your body. And if you went to a traditional Western doctor, they would prescribe you medicine. You would try it. And if it were, if anything weird happened, you'd call your doctor and they'd redo it. Or in two weeks, you'd report in. Well, cannabis is the same way. You have to lean into it even more. One of the things we say about cannabis is it's personalized medicine. It is, we are not in the business of giving you a pill and saying you're cured. We're in the business of saying, here's this plant with much, with zero downside. Compared to pharma, like zero downside. Yes, even if you have THC sensitivity, you might get the heart palpitations, you might get a little bit of the paranoia, but that's it. In most cases, the minute you're aware and made aware of that or made to feel comfortable, it goes away. And in in some cases, you have the THC sensitivity, you decide to go to the hospital, and literally the minute you're in the waiting room, you start to feel better because you feel safe. It's really that simple when it comes to THC sensitivity. That being said, I think that people should titrate slowly, work their way up, and find where they're, and that's where the ratios come into. CBD and THC buffer, we all have that magical ratio that works right for us. You do need to lean into it, but the biggest outcome might be a little sleepiness, maybe a little bit of paranoia that breaks into sleepiness once you ride that out. So, um, yeah, I, I, I respect the fact that folks don't wanna get high. That is not what this is about. But let's also be honest that. All analgesics have the potential for misdosing that could lead to,
0: quote unquote, being high. Right. And possibly fatal addictions. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: that part.
0: <laughs> I want to ask you something about, you mentioned the sleep suite. And so that includes gummies, tinctures, capsules. Is the idea to sample each and, and find what works best for you or what's going on there?
1: Yeah, that's right. That, that is exactly right. You know, so one thing we've started to realize is people's metabolisms are different. How they process sugars and fats are different. Um, needs are different. Um, so, for instance, it, the chocolate because of the high fat content, for some folks it takes way too long to onset, and for other folks it it burns quicker. The gummies, same thing. Some people it burns quick because of the sugar content. For some people, not so much right um tinctures you can do submucosally, right, or I think we're actually going to be using a spray bottle so I apologize it'll be a sleep spray that'll atomize the tincture so that it mist into your uh, mouth so that it's being absorbed mucosally so that you get a more rapid onset and then of course, you have the capsules uh that are just it's like taking a tincture and swallowing it so it'll have a little bit longer time. We also uh you know promote the idea of regimen so you might take a squirt of the t- let's say you You're coming off of Ambien, that that's how bad your sleep pattern is. You might need to spray the tincture for the rapid onset and take a capsule to stay asleep. But yeah, we're providing different modalities for you to figure out which one works best for you.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I say it almost every show, no matter who I'm talking to. With cannabis, there's a test and learn dynamic where you can't say one thing is true for, for everybody. As you mentioned, we've got different genetics set and setting are going to matter. So it makes a lot of sense to give people that choice. Yeah. Guy, I want to thank you for taking the time. I know you're super busy, but man, uh, you are a great, advocate for the plant and all its uses and i know that the listeners are going to really enjoy this episode
1: awesome well thanks for having me again you know it is my favorite part of the gig is just spreading that truth uh because yeah it just you know they say in advertising that it takes six touches so i guess every person who listens to me has to hear me six times before it sinks in and i'm up to the task (laughs) Well, well thank you so much for being our guest good luck up there all right thanks i appreciate it tom
0: You've been listening to the Cannaboom Podcast with host Tom Stacey. If you like the show and want to know more, please check us out at Cannaboom with dot com. And please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. See you next week.